Hello everyone, Editing Caitlin here. I'm just jumping in to say that, uh, to apologize because my audio track this week sounds like there's a blanket between me and the mic. I don't know why there, there wasn't. I did my best to clean it up and make it legible, but unfortunately it still sounds pretty muffled, so I hope you can still enjoy the episode anyways. Thanks, and let's get into it. And I'm your host, Jen. This week, we're discussing The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry, which is a mouthful, uh, episode four of Star Trek Discovery. And do we have any announcements off the top? I don't think so. Okay, so, Kate, you literally just watched the episode. I did, I did. Yeah, we had Thanksgiving weekend, so we're Canadians, and yeah. No, no. <laughs> we. Oh, you ended up working Yes, yes. Yeah, my day job happens to be in located inside a mall, and they make us keep mall hours, and so. We're slightly short-staffed, which meant lots of work this weekend. And then the dinner we did go to was, like, not at all traditional. It was, which was fine. It was delicious. But it was, like, beef roast and chili. And for dessert, there were gourmet donuts. That's, I mean, that sounds good, but... Yeah, just it's, not... It's not, it's not turkey. Not Thanksgiving-y, so... It's not stuffing. It's not yeah, the pie I'm missing. Mm-hmm. I have to wait I, till Christmas now. Here's here's an announcement. For the very first time, mm-hmm. I made a pie from scratch. Ooh. And it was so delicious. Oh my god. Anyways, I was, it, was, it was amazing. Kate definitely has the baking and the cooking skills between the two of us. Actually, most people, when you put them next to me, have the baking or the cooking skills. Do you, do you honestly not have the skill, or do you just not have the interest? It's mostly just the interest. I have a yeah, complicated okay. relationship with food. Okay, gotcha. So, yeah. Anyways, enough about food. Yeah, first impressions <laughs> on the episode? For me, I yeah. was... It's so good. It was such a good episode. So good. That's that's what I've got. I also really, really enjoyed it, and I really liked how... They were sort of tying everything back together in this episode. Yes. Yes. Um, so, I guess since we have no other real announcements, we should just get into some more of the discussion. One of the things that I noticed with this episode is that it seemed so much more thematically tight than the other ones. Uh, with the... Even with the title, I thought everything was really, well, most things were really calling back to that. The butcher's life knife cares not for the lamb's cry. I know, I know. But even from like the outset, from the very first imagery, where you have the, the storm of creation, I thought even that was a nice callback to the idea that 
a lot of times when we create things, it's also in a way very destructive. I just didn't have any more to go with it. <laughs> um, but I actually really like that opening scene with the the storm and then pulling out to creating the, the uniform. Yeah. That was really good. Oh, there's a lot of good scenes in this. The visuals in this episode were amazing. Yeah. I actually, okay, completely different thing for Kate on here. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the design of the ship in this one. Yeah? Because we really got to see... You know, on the saucer bit, mm-hmm. how it's it is different than any other ship that we've seen with the with the spinny bit. You know what I'm saying? Yep. It's got its two circles. The disc, it's got the frisbee. The disc part, there is part of it that rotates around the main part. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was really cool. We got some good shots of it. We did. We did get some good shots of it, and there was a lot of really good internal, like sciency visuals, even mm-hmm. with the creation of the uniform right off the top. And then later on, there was also when the Klingons are there and Vok is, like, painting out almost the the scan of the sector. Is that, is that his name? Vok, yeah. V-O-Q. I I think it might be mentioned a couple times. I just remember them calling him son of me. Yes, yeah. I probably read a lot more about Star Trek in between episodes than you Actually, do. here's a good point that I've been meaning to bring up, mm-hmm. just so that everybody is aware. Mm-hmm. Like, I could read more on the show. I'm specifically not. Okay. Right? So that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I just don't know anything. I'm specifically not educating myself. Right? To, to yeah. keep that perspective. To keep you fresh. Yes. Yes. So I just... I don't want anyone to think that I'm, like, incapable. It's the choice that I make. Yes. Not certain things. Yes. And I'm doing more research into it than I normally would for a TV show. Partly mm-hmm. because we do the podcast and uh, I want to be able to bring more Trek knowledge than I might have just off the top of my head. Yes. Um, and partly because I'm really enjoying it. So that's good. I'm glad you're really doing it because I feel like mm. in that first episode, you were kind of. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I had <laughs> reservations. Yes. Yes. This episode, though, I felt was so good, but I'll get more into that later. Um, we both really enjoyed the episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to skip around a little bit in our notes. Uh, we met one new cast character this week, which was Doctor Doctor Culber. Okay, I did see the actor on Twitter mm-hmm. being just very cute about it, like you couldn't believe it. And yep, seeing himself on the set, I thought that was kind of adorable. Yes, I follow him on Twitter, and he is very adorable. And uh, I like that they have a history together because that really soul like it helps them have the on stage presence together right they really had good interactions right off the bat and even though it was just a teeny tiny scene i thought mm-hmm. that him and anthony rap him and stabets really were really good together and i'm looking forward to seeing more the thing with him that disappointed me was his scene with landry 
where I just wasn't feeling sold on the fact that he was trying to save her life. But that's maybe a little tiny nitpick. The thing, the other thing that confuses me was why they would pick white uniforms for medical staff. That just seems silly. I mean, even though it's the future and they have all this wonderful technology, there's going to be stuff that shows up on that. Like, let's just pick a color that blends a little more. How about that? I also really like the fact that when they were casting a gay couple, they cast gay actors. Yes. So, major props to Star Trek for that. Also that. But also didn't like make them stereotypically gay. Yes. And the intro scene wasn't about them being in a relationship. A yeah. It wasn't, you know, it was... He's a doctor, he's a science officer. If you came with no background, you might not even pick up on the fact that they are a couple yet. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, there was definitely a minute where I was like, I don't feel like they are. Mm -hmm. I feel like that was one of the things I did read. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I did like how they portrayed their relationship as both a working relationship and presumably later on as a CEO person relationship. Yes. On the flip side of their casting, though, mm -hmm. I briefly want to talk about the show from a feminist perspective. Yeah. Now, when the, the trailer came out, it was a really big deal. There were women of color in command. Yes. And now we're four episodes in. And Kate, would you tell our listeners how many women are in command? A zero. That's right. Yes. Because one of them got killed, the other is a mutineer, and it's criminalized. And in this episode, they just killed off another woman of color. So I'm not sure how I feel about that entirely. We literally have, like, women at the bottom of the barrel here now. Yep. Yeah, because I'm trying to think of somebody, but... Well, I mean, we did see that Admiral for a minute, but mm -hmm. he was a white and he not a main cast member. And also, which is really familiar. Oh, I looked her up. She's been in a lot. There's a good mm -hmm. reason she looks familiar. Actually, what was her name? Uh, the or, character's name? Or the actress. If you know that, the actress was Admiral Cromwell. Cromwell? Crom something like that. And... She's been in lots going, like, back to the 80s, I think. Okay. I looked up her IMDb and I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen that, I've seen that, I've seen that, I've seen that. So I think there is more than one Admiral Cromwell in Star Trek. <laughs> of course there is. Of course. Thanks, Star Trek. Yes. All right, I will figure this one out later, but, but I have seen her yeah. before. Yeah. And I hope she comes back. I hope she's recurring. Because I liked her, like, you know, hugely more than the other admiral that they had. She was not an asshole. She was totally not an asshole. And I, the other women we have are Michael Burnham, who is there as a criminal. Um, and I mean, hopefully we'll see her redemption but still, she doesn't have, she doesn't occupy a position of power at all on the ship. Mm -hmm. And there's a cadet, which again, like in terms of rank and hierarchy, 
pretty much bottom of the barrel. Uh, and that's it for the named characters on the Federation side. Yeah. And on the Klingon side, there is uh, Lorel. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that any of the other female Klingons have names yet. Yeah, it's kind of shitty. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really like I, I, where it was. I didn't particularly like uh, the way we died because I thought she was a bit of a gold. Yes. But I also think like their dynamic was interesting and it could have been I think it would be more interesting to keep her alive. Mm-hmm. Just, even just from a storytelling point of view. So I don't really see it would be very easy to get her to Med Bay and oh, she's here. Right. Right. You know, like, I don't, I don't survive it because of it. It just doesn't make sense. I especially take exception to it because thinking about it more, that was not consistent with her character. Like, she's seen firsthand that this killed 12 Klingons and she gets impatient and goes in with a blaster and a knife. Like, that doesn't seem like something a person trained in tactics would do. Mm-hmm. You know, she's there with an unarmed scientist. And, uh, yeah, let's just go in and amputate a claw. It just, it seems like a stupid move for a character who shouldn't have been stupid. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, that part really bothered me. As an aside about death, I'm sorry, <laughs> um, I was very upset to learn that my hypothesis that Jojo would come back brainwashed was put to rest with how they ate the meat off her bones. I was really happy to have that oh, image in my head. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when we got to that part, I actually, that was the thought that went through my head. I was like, well, Kate's going to be disappointed. No, nor George, you coming back. So we got one little extra scene with her this time with the will. That is true. He did. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to... I don't remember her name. Landry? Landry. Yes. Okay. Commander Landry. Yep. Alright. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just I think that that was kind of silly and that it didn't need to happen. And it was, it was basically poor writing. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that it's because there's like another story arc that's intersecting and they needed they needed a place for them on the crew right there's only so mm-hmm. many positions available mm-hmm. right now and and just to go over the the main positions of power right now we've got a white dude as a captain a white alien dude as his first officer and a white dude as the lead scientist mm-hmm. So, we can do better. I agree. Mm-hmm. So. I, um, I just don't have anything else to say about it. I mean, yeah, I know. we can do better. I know. And I mean, it's hard because... I mean, Jason Isaacs is giving in a really good performance. Oh, yeah. Like, I absolutely don't dislike any 
of being dudes. Yeah. You know, like, I was trying to think of somebody they could have killed instead, and I was like, well, I don't want them to die, but I don't even see why anybody had to die. Yeah. And, yeah, like, this episode, going back in particular to the captain, like, they were they were sort of building up a momentum with him in a certain direction, and I feel like this episode adds a lot more depth to his character. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you felt the same with Captain Lorca. I did and I didn't. Mm-hmm. I did appreciate how... Sorry, let me get my boss to over here. Mm-hmm. With maybe kind of going, you know, pushing everybody to the extreme to get this done so that they could go save those people. Mm-hmm. I think he was using that as an excuse. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he himself particularly cared about saving those people. He wanted to to get it done and to show the Starfleet that they could do it. Right. That, which is also depth. I just don't think it was. Like, I don't think people would care about those people. He was doing it because he could go kill Klingons and show off his ship. That's yeah. 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 Which like is also interesting for his character. I just didn't personally get the feeling that he genuinely cared about saving those people. Maybe he did as like maybe it was there. I don't think he wanted them to die or anything. But mm-hmm. I don't think it was his number one motivating factor. And he definitely used the distress of the people under attack to emotionally manipulate his own crew. Oh yeah, definitely. There was that part of it. I would say the like, to be fair, the Admiral Lady, I don't think it affected him this way, but tried to use their distress too much to manipulate him as well. Yeah. But I, I don't think it worked on him. No. The part I think that surprised me with his character was that he didn't try to hide the fact that he beamed the tardigrade aboard. Well, that was interesting. I was actually really glad that that just came out right away. Yeah, so was I. That it wasn't like he was going to be hiding things and having secrets. It's like, nope, this is going to be your first project. So that part I liked. Me too. I, um, yes. Yeah, it was good. It was a different take on those types of situations than you usually see. Mm-hmm. I um, will say one last thing. Mm-hmm. I was starting to get more character from her this episode and then she died so that was also disappointing i was kind of like oh okay well i can i'm sort of starting to see more like how she could have gotten there and some more depth less cardboard sort of and i was really admiring rekha sharma's performance because the type of character that this is is much different from the other characters i've seen her play and then it was like and she's dead so that was just disappointing on a personal level. Yeah, it just seems kind of hard. If they wanted her to not be there for a couple episodes, she could have just been like in a coma or something, you know, in sickbed. Right. Which isn't, which isn't all that better, but would at least leave the opportunity for her to come back in a later episode. Right. Or transferred to non active combat positions or something. Yeah. I, I feel like her coming out for a while and then coming back and still 
having the same drive she had before, but perhaps not the capabilities of having her position with girls or something like that would have been really interesting storytelling. Yeah, and I but also I was wondering about like if she and Captain Lorca had a history. Like if they'd served a lot together or had a personal relationship in the past. Like I was wondering if because she seems to be more in his confidence than Saru is. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of wondering if there was something more to that. And You thought they might have been banging? I don't know. I don't know if they were doing that. But it could have been a dynamic similar to like Zoe and Mal. Right? Okay. Like maybe she was there when he got his battle injury. Maybe they've got a long history together like that. And that's why she's, you know, more the person he talks to about stuff that's going on because she gets it more than Saru does. And so that could have been like not only an insight into the captain through her, but it could have also given a lot of more depth to each of them. Yeah. I will say, as you brought up Firefly, sorry that we keep doing that. Um, the death does kind of feel like a, like a Joss Whedon thing. Like, we killed this person, we might we kill next, you know? Yes, yeah. Well, and it feels almost that way from the beginning. Like, it's cool to kill off main characters now after Joss Whedon and Game of Thrones. So yeah. let's throw some of that into Star Trek. It's not cool. No. Okay? We've emotionally invested. That's right. There were kind of a bookend of scenes on the episode. Because right after the uniform materializes, uh, you know, Tilly walks in and she's got a package and then Michael puts it away and it she pulls it out at the end because it's Georgiou's last will and testament. How do you feel the, the bookends worked and what did you think of the contents of the will? Well, the bookends in this episode look better than the, like, the kind of almost tried to do a bookend in the previous episode with the Alice in Wonderland stuff. Yeah. But, like, you missed the first one. Yes. So, that looked better in this episode. Um, and I liked, I think she reacted to it at first because that's exactly what I would have done. So, just go. Mm hmm. Under the bed. It's just, yeah. Not really there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, at the end, when she did watch it, it really did like it. It was very sad. Yeah, I liked it too. I really liked how it put everything that happened inside the episode into an, a different perspective as well. Like, if you take those scenes out, you can see her sort of starting to integrate with the crew and she's being useful and they have a breakthrough and they save the people and then she's got to put the tardigrade back and we as the audience and she can see that there is obviously a cost to the tardigrade to do this and then when you put the scenes of Georgiou's will and testament around it when it's like you're curious you're an explorer then suddenly you've created this nice internal tension for Michael. Whereas, like, without that, you might start to think that she could easily get sucked along with the warmongering and war machine going on. So I really liked how they they put that frame on it 
to remind her and us about what the what values are at conflict here. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like she was totally going with the the warmongering because she was noticing the cost in the tardigrade and you know, there's going to be some really interesting moral and ethical dilemmas that they're going to have to tackle. Isn't there a line about washing over the people in her hair or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could see it that way. Yeah. It was good. Mm-hmm. It was very good. There was some good writing this episode. There was. Everybody turning off unnecessary. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was good writing. I looked up the writers this episode, and they've done work. The only thing that I've really seen them in is they they both had worked on episodes of Heroes. And I thought that really helped, because Heroes always had, like, three or four storylines that were intersecting differently, going back and forth. Both of them, I think, had at least one first season credit. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was looking at that too. I was like, oh, oh, what year was that? What season? And when I was like, oh, okay, they did work on some first season stuff. Okay, good, good. And I think it helped it be really tight because this one did have like the A storyline and a B storyline. It was much clearer than I feel like the last episode was. What do you think of what's going on with the Klingons in the background? I I definitely like that we're getting a lot more story with them, like a lot of character and, and tension, and like they're not just this nameless, you know, nameless aliens and ships that we see explode. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't really care about because I kind of care about them now. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's interesting. I don't like that they ate. Michelle Yeo. Yeah, I've... that sucks. Mm-hmm. Not cool. No. Um, but I like that um, that we're seeing more of their day in day out tensions in culture and what's happening on their side in war. Yeah, it's setting up the like internal conflict within the empire. And, you know, people vying for control. And, yeah, I did like the the general storyline. Now, this week I was going to try and save my Star Trek-specific reservations for, like, all at one... all one shot sort of at the end. So people who don't want to hear me complaining about how Star Trek purists might not like X, Y, or Z... They wouldn't have to hear it spread out throughout the whole episode. But we just stick it in one spot and then people could skip forward if they want. Alright, uh, you're doing that now? Sure, I'll do that now. Alright, you, you go. Okay, it was actually really hard. I was like, okay, what am I going to pull out of this? Because there wasn't much. Um, that's, that's good. It, it was really good, which is why my... You know, general reaction was like, wow, that was so good. Um, The one thing I will say is I'm having some... I'm having continuing reservations about the Klingons. 
Mm-hmm. Part of it was that whole cannibalism bit. No, Which I get. Oh, I know. But they're eating another humanoid, you know, sentient species. And uh, part of it, like, I know they're starving. They're, you know, adrift. And they're stuck there and running out of food. Well, that's not giving that much credit either. They ate her before they were starving. Pretty sure. That's how you. Okay. Because they would have eaten, they would have, like, Oh, that makes it bad. That makes it worse. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Um, I'm sure they ate her in like a celebration feast. Jesus. Which doesn't seem very Klingon to me is my problem. Like, that's the part that's chafing is that along with it seems very problematic especially when you try and draw like real world parallels and even their use of words like uh like there's a very religious tone to their language which bothers me because the klingon warrior race that we see later they really don't have a religious aspect like their hero Kales slayed the gods and that's why he's a hero so them talking about like messiah and all this i think is partly like transliteration issues they have to pick words that are going to have meaning to today's society mm-hmm. and it's putting this in a like a very problematic frame for me I agree with the problematic frame, but that aside for a moment, it, it might that might sort of all come together. Like if they lose terribly, and then they're just like, right, so we're definitely right to just steal this whole religion crap. Right, you could have something there, and I'm hoping it goes along that route because the show is still very early. I don't know yeah. if they're really get into Yeah. Well, anyway. But yeah, that was my, my one big one. And and then all of the rest of them were more story issues, like killing off Landry in a way that made her character seem stupid. And the little bits that I've already mentioned. Yeah. So yeah, which... Which is why overall, great episode. If any of our listeners have things that I've missed, because I did only watch it once last night, but if there are other parts that you feel were problematic for Trek canon, um, you know, con- add us on Twitter or send us an email, and we may read out your comments in next week's episode. And yeah, we, like yeah, we do like email. Um, And speaking of the other episodes, uh, a couple, I guess, updates from from the episode so far. I did find out that the Alice in Wonderland bit. Did I talk about this last week? But it's actually brought up in the animated series. There's apparently an episode in which Spock is talking about books. And he mentions that the author, Lewis Carroll, 
was one of his mother's particular favorites. So it's not exactly out of the blue. No. Interesting. But I still think that their implementation of it oh, yeah. should have been Thank narratively you. better. Like, yeah, absolutely. They had space in that episode to improve the writing of other scenes and put it in there. But it is, it is nice that they're sort of tying them together. Yeah. Which I'm not Mm hmm. And I don't think there's anything else. Wait, I did just mm. want to say, I think yeah. there was a discussion about this on Twitter that you waited on it. I certainly didn't. Um, about if there was a Spock cameo, who would we want to play Spock? Oh, yes. There was a Twitter conversation about this. And uh, it was brought up, of course, Zach Quinto, who was mm -hmm. playing Spock in the Kelvin timeline movies. And. I really enjoy Zach Quinto. I think he's an excellent actor. I think that his performance of Spock in at least the first movie of the Kelvin timeline, because I haven't seen the rest, was really good. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I would totally love him to cameo as Spock if they're going to do that. From what I understand, the writing isn't very Spock-ish in the second one. And I'm not an expert on that, which is what other people told me. Okay. But then everybody seems to like the third one again. Right. Now, I hope they don't do a Spock cameo. Uh, mostly because who else would they pick but Zach Quinto? And then all of the Star Trek theorists would be like, Oh, it is an alternate timeline. See, it's got the same Spock as the other time. And... It would just, it would cause a lot of, you know, problems. problems. Yeah. Problematic theories. There's already lots of problematic theories out there, trust me. Mm -hmm. I'm sparing you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I can't, like, I, I guess a, a completely unknown thing. Like, it's exactly or a completely unknown thing. Yeah. It's one or the other, really, if they do this. Or do, like, the off-camera hide sort of thing. You know, where it's, like, he's walking out of the room and somebody walks in and she references it. Or other cheeky things like that, you know? But... Well, that would be kind of fun, right? As we do, obviously, we can have a death condition. That's true. And I think some of the producers were maybe involved in Heroes as well. I'm not 100% yeah. certain on that, but... Oh my gosh, that's a complete tangent. Mm -hmm. Today, when I watched the episode, I actually paid attention to the opening credits. Yeah. Oh my god, I've never seen an opening credits that decides to list every single producer and has like 20 producers. The what the heck is that? You really didn't follow along some of the trials on their production, did you? No, not at okay. all. Okay. Um... <laughs> Part of it is because of Brian Fuller. Mm -hmm. He was originally tapped to do this and started working on it. And then um, there was problems. And he left to do the show running for American Gods. But because he had already done so much work with the premise and certain things, he's still credited in the production staff. So it's Gretchen Berg and one of the other ones that are the main producers. And then, yeah, there's like 
a whole bunch of support producers and writers and like they have uh, one of the writers is there just in charge of continuity issues like her job is literally just going through Star Trek novels and all the other Star Trek TV shows to make sure mm-hmm. things make sense so yeah and and she's written some Star Trek novels as well so that's the first time they've ever had something like that involved to help keep things you know coherent and yeah but I'm I'm a little also worried because sometimes you know too many cooks in the kitchen too many writers in the room can lead things yeah. to get messy yeah the only other person on the producer list that I've heard of was a team of Goldsmith who's mm-hmm. done some things that I really like and done some things that are absolute garbage. So, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, I think he directed Topic and which I love. Okay. And then he's done some writing and directing other movies that were getting all like, like, I don't know what they were, but like some bad horror movies, you know, like, oh. like 75 or something like that. Okay. I don't know if it's actually that, but you know, that type of thing. That type of thing. That type of, I, I need to make money and yeah. pay my bills. Yeah. This is maybe not the most, you know, creatively is, fulfilling job, but... Yeah, this is yeah. fair. I mean, you gotta make money. That's right. Um, but, so, I, I don't know how that's going to turn out. But I, I do feel like, um, like, he, he directed Puppet and Magic, which is one of the more... There's a really good feminist movie if all you care about is white feminism. Yes. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I read something from New York Comic Con where he was also like a, a lifelong Star Trek fan. Yeah. And so was really excited and invested in the project. And I know they were also saying at New York Comic Con that they've got like really good gender parody with the writers and things like that. So hopefully that'll bode well. It's mm-hmm. the first time in seven years mm-hmm. that I wasn't at either San Diego or New York, Hong Kong. And I was very sad this past weekend. Yeah. I'm usually okay that these things go on. I'm I'm not a real fear of missing out person. But watching all these Star Trek panel stuff and there was fan sets pins there and there was all these cool things. I was kind of like, oh, I don't often wish to be in New York, but yeah. No, wonder why? Because all my friends got married this year. You had bridesmaid duties, Kate. So the two people that I normally go to New York Comic Con with. So. <laughs> yeah. And I suppose I like those people, but also I hate them. They didn't what go to. Been? They didn't go to Comic Con without you, though, did they? No, no, no. Just none okay. of us had. None of us had vacation <laughs> left because we all had weddings. Right. Okay. Well, there's always next year. That there is. That there is. Well, shall we wrap it up for the week? Yes. Yes, we shall. Okay. So that's all for this week. Thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments you would like to share. You can contact us by email at commanderforown at gmail.com or you can add us on Twitter where we are at commandofherown. Also, if you're so inclined, you can go ahead and leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. 
So thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks. See you next time. Bye. Bye.